0: the simplest commercial baking resource brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Mark Florca. With 45 years of industry experience, Mark knows the ins and outs of baking. He is Bakerpedia's community forum manager and baking instructor. He's here to share knowledge and help you grow connections.
1: You're listening to The Baked In Science Podcast.
0: Hello, bakers. This is part two of our exploration into gluten-free and we'll be taking a dive into the R&D side of product development of gluten-free baked goods. My guest for this episode is Michael Childs, who has long been immersed in the gluten-free baking world. Let's get into the conversation and hear what Mike has to share. You know, I was just thinking, Mike. You and I—we've known each other for over twenty years already.
1: Yeah, it's probably close to twenty-five, actually. Yeah, isn't that bizarre?
0: <laughs> so, um, so I'm gonna, if you don't time mind, time. I'm going to mention that when I introduce you. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. Um, that's uh, you know, it's 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 interesting how I, I keep telling people. I mean, it's a big industry, but it's a small family. We we all stick together and, and help each other out all the time, right? And. Uh, yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's it is true.
1: I, yeah. I mean, I think the Toronto, especially the Canadian baking industry, is a very tight group.
0: Yes. Yeah. I I so. still get, I mean, um, I don't know if you ever had the, the pleasure of meeting Dave Miles when he was on. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, he's still in touch with me and he's helped me out with icings and stuff. When you know, it's like, Dave, I need some help. Like, I, I got to do it with this stuff. How can I make this glaze work? Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, and he's a great always, guy, man. You know, he's fantastic. He's a great guy. Yeah. Well, welcome, everybody. Our next guest, uh, I have the pleasure and honor of uh, speaking with someone that I have known for close to 25 years. Isn't that amazing, Mike? Um, So Michael Childs, please, Mike, tell us a little bit who you are and what you do. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Mark.
1: Um, my name is Michael Childs. Um, I have been in the baking industry, in the food industry, for just over 25 years now. Um, right now, I am currently a principal development scientist with ConAgra Foods, um, based in Denver, um, but my roots go back to
0: Toronto, and mm-hmm. that's where I think you and I met, Mark. That's where we met, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we were doing work together with you guys at Guelph. Um, I, th- I think it was in connect- somehow in connection with the Guelph Food Technology Center.
1: Certainly, I was involved with that group. Yeah. Um, Guelph is my alma mater.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And it's, it's funny, when I think back, when I went to Guelph for the very first time, I really didn't have an intention to be in food science. I had other oh, interesting. Interests, oh wow. other things I wanted to be involved in. Yeah, shocking now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but um, while I was there doing my undergrad, I fell in love with food systems. It was mm-hmm. just an awesome... Well, you mean I get to eat my experiments? <laughs> yes. That's <Yeah, laughs> <so laughs> awesome. Gotta love that. So uh, that was the start of it. And I had the opportunity of doing a master's there, which set me up really well. A master's of food science gave me a great grounding in in food systems and that's really stood me well over the, over the past years
0: and, and there's a lot of great stuff that continues to come out of Guelph um i've i've had the opportunity to work with uh Professor Benjioni, I think I can't remember if I'm pronouncing that right, but is on the the fats and oil side of things, and just you know very wonderful, creative people, and um, it just is it's always a pleasure, um, and so it was always great to be able to reconnect with you, and um, and we've had a chance to kind of. I call it work together. Um, but it was like you you were doing work with the the food development group and did some work for us when uh, when I was at Maple Leaf Mills uh, before ADM purchased the company back then. Um, and yes. uh, so you know always enjoyed our relationship um, ever since then. and uh, um, and so, you, so you, you got into food, so and, and it seems to me like a lot of your focuses ended up in bakery. Is, was that sort of just kind of how things went, or was that something that you sort of deliberately chose after a while?
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's amazing how you fall into things, isn't it?-hmm. You know, working with the food development group was probably one of the most amazing experiences I've had in my life in my career. Um, just the amazing opportunities um, that I had with that group to experience different food systems. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. To be sure, a lot of the customers at the time that I was there were uh, bakery mm-hmm. and bakery related, and uh, that really gave me an opportunity to work on everything you could imagine, from you know breads through to cookies. Um, experimenting with different systems, different ingredients—it was an awesome experience. I do not regret that at all.
0: That is cool. That's cool. Yeah, and and uh, I, I I still see uh, Mr. Philip Lee Wing at, at some of the trade shows every now and then. Um, of course, now that I've retired, I get I get that less so. But uh, and especially there hasn't been anything during the pandemic. Um, but he was uh, he was doing some. Work with Lulamund a few years ago, and uh, it was it was great to meet up with him and see he's he's still his same jovial self, right? It's, it's just a, a really nice man, right? Um, always enjoyed with uh, you know t- t- talking with him and and you know uh, hypothesizing ideas and, and things like that, and uh, um, yeah. and so it, from from bakery, um, I've known you for now quite a long while as my go to person to we would often talk about gluten-free and that seems to be something that you have ended up specializing in in a way and um you know how did that come about and and you know what what can you share with us a little bit about that whole gluten-free journey as you got into that
1: you know very very early on uh when i had joined the food development group uh we were working with a customer which was based in Toronto actually at the time. Uh, and one of their master bakers pulled me aside. We were working on gluten full bread at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when one of their master bakers pulled me aside and said, Hey, do you have any, any recipes that don't use gluten? Mm-hmm. And I, I was taken aback. This is like 1996, <laughs> 97.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: And I looked at him. I was just like, you are crazy. <laughs> Why would you even want to do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like gluten is such a foundational part of the bread that we make, and you know it's it's funny the things that leave your mouth and then you wonder later on why did I even say that? Yeah. Um, because soon soon after that, um, one of the customers that came on uh, during our research was a a big gluten free company that has substantially grown, uh, and mm-hmm. that would be Gluteno. Mm-hmm. Um, at the yeah. time, they had asked us to work on some different products for them in terms of development, um, and also to assist in just generally smoothing out their process. Um, they were in their infancy back there and then in the late '90s, mm-hmm. as was most of the industry. Yes, very. And I think everyone was wrestling with how on earth do we make this a business that is sustainable um, for the long haul, because customers you don't have a whole lot of customers, quite frankly.
0: Yeah. And I, I, very... I, I can remember similar around that time is it was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was at a, a baking association of Canada meeting when um, they had somebody doing a presentation and where were, they were telling us about celiacs and something that we had really never heard of. And, and how this was going to be like a growing trend as more celiacs were being identified and uh, people who had gluten sensitivities. And we were all just kind of shaking our heads. It's like, well, how can we do this? Right. And, um, <laughs> and then before we know it, like you said, glutino grew like crazy. They, they, they were, you know, very, one of the very first to market um, with good products. That's the key I think really yes. is that the, the, the products were, excellent um and and still are right um yes uh, and you know it's like uh with with that you know like there must have been some incredible challenges not only in formulating but now trying to get the resources whether it be ingredients or equipment to be able to make this on a consistent basis
1: yeah yeah well and and you know we worked with glutino off and on during mm-hmm. those years. Um, and then I, of course, made a departure um, to work at a, a larger company in the U.S., a larger CPG, mm-hmm. where I really refined my abilities in high-speed manufacture. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great opportunity as well. Um, but then came back on and, and joined the Glutino team during a very tumultuous time, a time of incredible growth, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um they had themselves gone through various acquisitions, and um, I joined a team which was, you know, basically get out there and do what you need to do to get us some great products. Mm-hmm. And we created an enormous amount on a very, very short time. Um, I think our, our record was to go from a basic formula to full commercialization in almost three weeks, let alone with, I'm not talking, Yeah. Three weeks, I think, was our record. I thought you were going to
0: say three months. (laughs) Um, No, yeah, because with the with a lot of the CPG companies, it's like one to two years. It's it's just, uh, it's just that's incredible, right? Um, That's absolutely astounding.
1: Well, when when you're in an industry, a a, you know, a segment of the industry which is growing at you know double digit, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have the opportunity to. Um, really put a lot of stuff out there and it's okay if something fails. Or it's okay if something is maybe a little substandard. Don't get me wrong, there was still, you know, you still need to get your graphics done and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The commercialization process, um, at least in those early years, was incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean honestly, those were some amazing rides. I mean, we're talking, you know, I guess. 2010 and on yeah yeah Um, an amazing time to be involved in gluten-free development Um, I think we really did move the needle during those years even further in terms of quality Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah Um, Mm -hmm. I I think we went from generation one bread through generations two and three I think we're probably somewhere in generation four now in terms of bread quality Mm -hmm. and what consumer expectations are
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, part of my way of remembering it is, and um, in, in, is twofold. Is one through the R and D projects we were getting with the ingredients while I was at ADM in terms of the focus on gluten free because of how quickly it was growing. To do some, some of it was research based, some of it was a concept development based, um, and then the the neighbors that we had at the time. Um, their daughter was a celiac and, and the husband discovered he was a celiac as well. And so they were keeping a gluten-free lifestyle for the whole family and, you know, finding good tasting products was the biggest challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And um, of course, then the, you know, I was able to help point them towards glutino and things like that. And they were very appreciative of that because that allowed them to, feel like they, you know, other than some of the cost, uh, you know, that's associated with these things, but they felt like they otherwise were having a normal lifestyle, right, in that respect, um, because of the, the the good quality of the products, so that they they didn't have to settle for less all the time because that was, you know, prior to that in the early years, that was a lot of the, the stuff. There was so many people trying to jump onto the bandwagon and they didn't have the I think the care and the experience that you were doing with, with uh, uh, Glutino, and so you were getting a lot of poor products out there, unfortunately, um, and uh, poor quality and very expensive too. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be
1: sure. I think there's still an opportunity in the marketplace for what I would call those analog products, which are mm-hmm. copies of the products that are out there in the marketplace in the Gluten Full Space. For Mm -hmm. example, you know, an iconic chocolate chip cookie or or just a really good bread. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that for those people who are having gluten sensitivity issues to feel normal, to feel as though I'm not compromising anything is is, I think, a huge step in rebalancing your life.
0: Yep, absolutely. And so with, you know, we all know like R&D starts at the bench. And so are, do you have, um, you know, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, a philosophy, or can you share with us some of the the different of, of approaches in creating, say, like, you know, a gluten free cookie versus, you know, you were, you were saying like, you know, versus full gluten, but also even a cookie versus a muffin versus a loaf of bread. I mean, how these are some, of course, they are different in full gluten baking, but To my mind, they seem to me even more different in the gluten-free challenges that are associated with it. Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, the more that I study gluten-free, the more I'm amazed I am at the versatility of wheat, wheat flour especially, in terms of its functionality. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. You know, from the same bag of wheat flour, you can make a diversity of products. And they will all turn out, you know, reasonable. Sure, you want to adjust your flour sometime. For different products mm-hmm. but you can still work with it in the gluten-free space um, I think you really have to unpack in your mind what is it what is the role of the let's call it flour mm-hmm. as you go through the development process as an example in a cookie which is a high sugar uh, type product your structure is probably driven, driven more by your sugar than the flour so what is the flour doing in there You know, as you increase, as you reduce your sugar, as you go through muffins, yes, okay, maybe you need to have a little bit more dependency on what that flour is doing in there to keep your structure. Mm -hmm. Move all the way over to the other side where you were talking about a very, very lean bread. Mm -hmm. You really have to have your ducks in a row when it comes to your ingredients and your choice of, you know, starches or flours um, in order to make that work successfully.
0: Yep. And um, I, was, I was talking with um, a phosphate uh, specialist uh, recently about uh, chemical leavening. And um, she also pointed out, you know, in, in the gluten-free situation, you can have, you know, a great chemical leavening system. But if you don't have things like xanthan gum or, or similar type things to capture those air bubbles, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to work. Um, And so it's it's all about balance. Again, it's, it's, it just seems that, you know, balance is always the, the key for um, the whole development process. And then also, of course, you know, in in terms of the nutrition of things, do, do you find yourself challenged with the nutrition on the gluten free side of of, um, product development? Or is is that something that is only more recent in new years? gosh that's a good question
1: um you know i i do think that um yes i would agree historically many gluten-free products have perhaps suffered Mm -hmm. from being very strong in the nutrition department i think our focus um was more primarily on helping people to feel normal and have Mm -hmm. a product to eat yeah um I think that that's come at a cost. And I think that 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 is turning uh, as we as we move forwards in development. I think there is more focus on putting in meaningful nutrition into these products. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And that is certainly a burning passion of mine as I go forward in my development. You know, okay, great. It's going to be this type of product. How am I going to get fiber in there? How am I going to make sure that it is really no compromise nutritionally to what you would find in a normal bakery product?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I agree. And I mean, we see, you know, so many um, call it almost like entrepreneurial type companies or, you know, at least smaller than the big giants. Um, And we're seeing more and more of these uh, nutritional type of products for gluten-free solutions, not exclusively for gluten-free, but they are making an effort to also be certified gluten-free for that purpose. Uh, Things like chickpea proteins and and whey protein isolates. And um, now more recently, pea proteins are, are, uh, I know that um, Roquette and ADM have been working hard on, on pea proteins to get pea proteins that not only have great functionality, but that they, taste good too Um, because that's that's of course now that we have you know excellent gluten-free products like you have developed that that tastes great on the market and we want to add more nutrition or functionality um, consumers are used to it tasting great they're not going to accept a a white bread that tastes kind of like pea soup afterwards right
1: (laughs) 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 you know Um, I I think the toolbox that we have to access has really substantially improved over the years. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: You are right. There are some excellent pulse flowers out there now. Um, There are also some really, really good hydrocolloid uh, systems Mm -hmm. that can be used um, very easily. To, to really enhance what you're doing. Leavening systems, yes. I mean, to, to spend an afternoon talking with some chemi- uh, people about chemical leavening can be an amazing way of learning new ways to nuance your product and improve the quality.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a... Um... I actually have uh, promised uh, Dr. Book that I'd also post this on our forum, and is that the um, what used to be known as AACC uh, now the cereal grains association? um, They're actually doing a webinar series. Um, There's going to be three uh, seminars on chemical leavening, so that that should be really interesting, right? Yeah, that Um, should be really interesting. And um, you know, it's, it's. you know, speaking of of those types of things, you know, locating ingredients uh, is uh, have that's is that still as much a challenge as it used to be? Uh, do you have any um, go to shortcuts or or resource companies that you prefer to recommend? Um, what what's the way to to kind of balance this between finding the right resources and, you know, getting the right information for functionality and and so on. Um, You know, what, what kind of things should our, our bakers look for in that type of area? You know, it's
1: kind of interesting as I look um, at the, the ingredients that are in our, in our lab right now, Mm -hmm. Um, we have pretty much discovered them over the years. I mean, okay, you're looking for a, Um, cornstarch yep well there's a lot of different kinds of cornstarch out there Mm -hmm. which is the one that is going to be right for me and you could have success and failure you've really got to try them all or at least try a good number of them we do have some go-tos that i think you know certain suppliers out there have an excellent foundation in gluten-free development themselves and so they can become solution houses where you can say, "I'm struggling with this. Can you help me?" And in general, I've been able to get some really good stuff.
0: Excellent. Um, so, so that that that's where I was going to ask you too. So you're you you're able to lean on your suppliers to kind of say, you know, I think I need a waxy maze to do this. Is that the right solution or are there changes or modifications I need to have or, or things like that? You know, Would you say the suppliers have adjusted to the, the gluten-free norm to understand that better to provide you those resources than, say, like back in 97 type of situation?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, in 97, you know, calling up a starch company and asking for starch, they had no clue what you were talking about. (laughs) Gluten what?
0: (laughs) We don't sell core gluten. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, You know, over time, over time, suppliers have gotten so much better, so much more savvy about what gluten-free requirements are. I will say that one point of of struggle um, in the industry right now is, um, at least here in the U.S., the FDA standard for gluten is 20 ppm. Yes. Um, However, um, we do, for many of our products, use GFCO, a a gluten-free certifying company, um, that requires 10 ppm. Uh Uh-huh. Not on the finished goods, but on the inbound materials. Yep. Yep. And that is really sometimes a struggle. It does make it difficult to find the right materials.
0: Well, that is, you know, that is really um, amazing and and good to hear from you that you bring that up um, as as part of this this podcast. I've also spork, spoken with Coral Bajas, and um, she brought that up that very uh, same challenge from a consumer perspective is is understanding. Um, what these certifications mean, and that, you know, while 20 ppm is much better than the old standard of 100 ppm, there are still many who are so sensitive that really the standard needs to be set lower, like you were saying, with um, the certification that you're working with, that is set at the 10 ppm level. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's a little more in keeping with, you know, also if you think about, like the Eliza kits are sensitive up to five ppm. Is is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And so that that makes then, you know, that gives you enough of buffer room, and that that makes a lot more sense to kind of get much closer to that that sensitivity level as as a minimum standard.
1: To go back to what you were we were talking about in terms of. Um... Pulse ingredients and some yes. of these newer newer ingredients on the mm-hmm. market. I, I would comment that, you know, not all of these pulse ingredients are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found wide variations in functionality between this particular product and that particular product. Um, it is very important, you know, say you, you test out a chickpea flour. And yep. it fails. Well, don't just conclude that chickpea flour isn't going to work. It maybe you just don't have the right chickpea flour, and that's going to drive people yeah. crazy. Yeah, because uh, the and you know. What this chickpea tastes terrible, but this one tastes fantastic. Yeah, um, you find these discoveries, and then you hold on to them and and try to run of what they're worth. Yeah,
0: and and the thing is also to to um, as you are in the development process, and you, like you mentioned, the commercialization to um, depending on the size of what your your volume is going to be, perhaps too your ability to audit that supplier to some extent. Um, I worked on a project once where. Uh, we were like three quarters of the way through the project and needed a fresh sample to continue work and and start a pilot run. And it was from the exact same supplier, the exact same product code and everything. And the product was completely different. Um, It was different Mm. in color, in taste and functionality. And so then if the supplier can't be consistent or if they don't have the consistent resources to to source their ingredients to process and say well what's a crop difference well we all understand that but there has to be some sort of transition process or information at least as to how you as the user are going to deal with those changes too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's really good that you bring you point that out because I mean yeah um, uh, I've I've been had the chance to work with uh, different chickpea flowers at at ADM that they produce and um, have been uh, working with some different ones from other companies in the U S and and uh, one out of Denmark. Um, and um, it's, it's quite interesting. It's the same source material as far as the, the P goes, but how they are treating it and um, processing it can really significantly change your functionality. Um, oftentimes for the better, uh, not always, but most of the time it's, it's definitely for the better. Right?
1: Well, and it's funny how, you know, you you select a specific ingredient um, and then it's like, okay, we're going with this. And then your procurement division comes to you and says, wait, this is really expensive. Um, can we use this one, which is, you know, half the price? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you lose as you switch between and that this one and that one in terms of a, a cost-driven decision? Um, Yes, supply is important, but, yep. you know, quite frankly, some of the choices on ingredients, especially as we move towards nutritional breads, um, your ingredient choices are going to be slightly more costly.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: That is, I think, a constant challenge, not only for gluten-free, but also for any of these nutritionally focused products that we're seeing coming out of the marketplace
0: today. Definitely. And and speaking of that, um, I was wondering, um, I, I start to see... You know more and more um, keto. Although keto is a focus on carbohydrates, um, but I see that often being tied into some of the gluten-free products. Is is that something you see happening from your end as well? And, and also in terms of how it's driving some of your your nutritional profiles and, and things like that. I mean, um, you know, what kind of trends in that area do you see? From you know these types of specialized nutrition diets,
1: it's amazing. that I rewind the tape back to uh, what was it, the late '90s, mm-hmm. when the first low-carb craze came through. Yep, <laughs> and I remember the flurry of of development that we got, the calls, the questions. How do we do this? How do we solve for low-carb? But even during that phase, it wasn't necessarily required that these products be gluten-free. No and and i think that's true today as well
0: i mean keto doesn't say you cannot have gluten in it oh absolutely not it just i just seem to so often see people who are trying to kill two birds with one stone for lack of a better phrase right absolutely. Um, yep. um you know they're, they're trying to be gluten free as well as keto friendly um, because of either dietary needs within their family or just as the way they view the market and and things like that so it's um uh, you know it's it's not many yet um but i just sort of occasionally have been seeing some of these things um because there are so many um uh of these you know different trends that have been developing like sugar-free you know low-carb uh gluten-free is is uh, very much a Lifestyle trend that is um, no longer, you know, in the beginning, you know, like even when you were talking about like things like the that, that dietary low carb in the late 90s, it kind of faded away. It was considered a fad, um, but gluten free has never been a fad. It is definitely a trend that, and it has continued to grow. Um, and there are more and more people viewing gluten as a dietary challenge, whether it be sensitivities or um, you know, things that they presume might be somehow affecting their health. Um, and so then they start lumping that together with, uh, redu- uh, taking sugar out of their diet. And then they start to lump that together with reducing carbohydrates in their diet. And then they start to lump that into, you know, being vegetarian or vegan or things like that. And so it just makes things very challenging in that respect. And, um, and trying to be all things to all people, you know, so to speak. Right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the where keto and gluten free may cross over uh, comes back to that whole grain free category. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, grains, quite frankly, are high in carbohydrates. Yep. Um, it it's just you know. So, what is your avoidance specifically? For me, when I look at keto product development, you know, you're looking at a bread where you actually have to remove a substantial amount of your carbohydrates. What are you going to replace it with? What are the things that you can put in there? Uh, Yeah, I guess you're probably going to go a lot towards fiber. Maybe put some protein. Mm -hmm. What else is there that you can put in there? And then you got to fix for the functionality issues that you're going to experience as you do that. Yep. It is not easy to do a keto product development. I will say, though, just this week, I did see um, one of the mills is advertising that they do have some customized keto flour blends, mm-hmm. which may be an interesting solution um, for those bakers out there who are challenged to explore this
0: area. Yep, absolutely. And so... Um, you know, this has been fantastic, Mike. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy guy um, and kind of wanted to, to help wrap this up with a bow um, is uh, what could you share with us as your sort of philosophy and approaching a gluten-free product development? What are some of the, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, guiding principles, what are the things that help you focus on on achieving success or, or, um, you know, getting from step A to Z?
1: One thing I will say uh, from the get-go is that it has been probably now, what, eight years um, since I have started using a gluten-free diet myself. Oh, Um, I did that because I had some, you know, some health challenges. Uh And Uh as I worked through the process, I discovered that a gluten-free diet is the choice for myself. Mm-hmm. And that has actually driven me with more passion to create those nutritional products that has driven me to make stuff that really does taste good, mm-hmm. because I'll tell you, those first few weeks of going on a gluten free diet, I thought the world was going to end. <laughs> it was, uh, I, I had to travel for business. You know, what do I eat? I can't mm-hmm. go to my usual places. It was incredibly alienating, but it has given me a passion. It has given me a passion to do my creation as I do it. Um, You know, a lot of times I'll take inspiration from a gluten-full formulation. I mean, that's really where we start from. Um, And then start saying, okay, so what do I want the flour to do? Um, how does you know? Do I want it crispy or do I want it soft? Um, how does that make me choose which ingredients that I will select for the recipe? Mm-hmm. I've got a great team that I work with, and and we bounce around around ideas uh, quite a lot. So there's a lot of interesting conversations that go on about this flour versus that flour, or you know how how much of this hydrocolloid should we use? Um, really interesting stuff.
0: I find to me it in, inspires me in the in the sense of that, as you mentioned, that you, you know, you follow your passion. Um, and in in that way, you know, it makes me think, for example, like when you especially when you brought up business travel, is that rather than looking to create something, like say, if we talk about a hamburger bun as far as a gluten full product goes, rather than creating something that is on the menu that is where, you know, you also offer a, a gluten- free version, um, as if it's somehow lesser in quality that nobody would want it. Make it a gluten-free version on the menu that everybody would want, or be amazed that it is gluten- free. And I think that is the the kind of passion and inspiration that we need in these types of industries to. Um, you know, so, so that we can all enjoy life without feeling that we're all we're making a sacrifice for something like that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I it would be an interesting challenge for anyone, um, any baker who wants to either explore keto or, or gluten free or any of these specific diets. Try and eat the diet. Mm-hmm. Try and eat it for a month and see what your experience is. It it will give you some really interesting insights into what works, what doesn't, and how to make it better.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you very much once again for your time, Mike. Um, Michael Childs with ConAgra Foods, everybody. Um, and uh, if there's any questions, please let me know and I'll forward them on to Mike and, and see what we can uh, find out for you. Uh, Thanks again, Michael, and we will hopefully get to see you again soon after the pandemic uh, starts to subside. I hope you found that as informative and interesting as I did. I have a feeling there will be more conversations about gluten-free options, challenges, and opportunities still to come. Send me your questions and comments to mark.florka.com. F is in Foxtrot, L is in Lima, O-E-R-K-E at Bakerpedia.com or join us on Facebook or LinkedIn in the professional baking groups. Until next time, science, it's more than just a wild guess.